0: I don't know if you know this because you were with kids during the day, but at night kids
1: get chatty. Mm-hmm. Did you know? I would- They do it before nap time a little bit too. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's different, but there yeah. definitely is some of that sort of folding of the mental laundry. Yes. Folding
0: of the mental laundry. That's a beautiful picture for what does happen, especially as your kids get older, evening as they're settling for bed. Also I think they're looking for any reason. Um, to delay bedtime. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to start thinking of everything possible. Keep you there. Keep you distracted. Yeah. But I do like it. I like that at that point I can kind of see what's going on in their minds and who they are and what they're thinking about.
1: Okay, so actually that phrase um, is it's an adaptation that I stole from the book Peter Pan where yes what he says is that Mrs. Darling folds like goes into her children's brains at nighttime and folds their laundry putting all like the dark and weird thoughts at the bottom and putting all the nice ones on the top and she finds all kinds of funny things and slowly she starts to find this word Peter scattered oh throughout gosh. all their minds and that's sort of
0: at the beginning that's of the book so cute that's what I want to do is help them fold their mental laundry and put their certain things in certain places yeah, yeah I even sometimes if Eloise is like really scared of something I say okay Think of all the things you're afraid of and throw them at me and I'll catch them and I'll oh, take them as we leave and yes. I'll handle it tonight. And she likes it. So sometimes it's a lot of throwing. But the other night what she did was she's just laying there as I'm getting Wilson tucked in because they share a room. And she said, <laughs> She said, I would be such a bully if I was a boob.
1: <laughs> I was like, like, like a what? Like a like you, yes. <laughs>
0: Yes, a boob. And I was like, really? She was like, oh, I'd be such a bully in school. (laughs) If I was a boob, I would be spraying milk at everybody. (laughs) And what's really funny, too, is that she's not that, like, she Uh she just isn't that kind of kid who, like, stirs things up or rocks boats or whatever. You know, she's like a pretty, uh, she strikes me as a rule follower. I'm not in school with her, but that's Mm -hmm. what I hear. So to imagine her as a boob... (laughs) bullying people yeah by spraying milk at them she said she would spray milk at everyone and then she was like yeah and like the teachers they'd probably give me purple slips and I would just spray milk on all of their purple <laughs> slips <laughs> and those slips would be so soggy. <laughs> so soggy I appreciated it so much I'm oh. like that is the funniest thing I've ever heard and a really good way to settle us all into sleep tonight mm-hmm. and then
1: that was the end that's how it works that's beautiful she's just enacting some sort <laughs> yeah. of fantasy yeah probably like know. as a child who does a really good job of being thoughtful and considerate and following the things just like as yeah. she falls asleep she has this little rage fantasy of being
0: of boob. being a boob i know i don't know i think that's how you can tell she's watched me nurse mm-hmm. a, couple a couple of kids because yeah the boobs spray milk <laughs> that she's aware of <laughs> though mine don't anymore but still that's how it works Hey, you guys, welcome back. My name is Jess Hover. I'm Lane Dealing-Chirland, and
1: this is Very Good Enough, a podcast from Very Good Mothers Club. And today we're talking about depression. Thought we'd start off with a really funny story. Yeah. Because. take us
0: into the reality of what so many of us face, Mm -hmm. including Lane and I, though, as many of you know already, we are becoming friends via this situation here
1: it's a little triangle yeah this is a love triangle and
0: you're a part of it and so we know that both of us have struggled with depression probably do currently struggle with depression in some way and so what we're going to talk about is how that affects us and how that affects us you guys and us and parents in general Mm -hmm. and especially knowing that as holidays pass, but we're still in winter and the skies are gray, and just sometimes you feel feelings that you wish would pass, feelings Mm -hmm. that are harder in winter than they are in summer. Mm. So um, we're gonna go there. We don't have a huge plan for how this is gonna land, but I'll start by prompting Lane with a question because I am genuinely curious. You struggle with depression, has it been something you've struggled with like as long as you can remember
1: or in your adult life yes both yes both um it has been it's a thing that i discovered a little bit later and then retrospectively was able to be like oh this has been a constant companion throughout my life um and actually the weather i feel like so i grew up in san diego like a pretty inland part of san diego pretty dusty um, at the base of the hill behind the rodeo, you could say, <laughs> you could say, and it would be true. Okay. okay. Um, so not like Palm tree, San Diego, but like, okay. you know, just like anytime you get 20 sort miles inland desert-y. in California, it's okay. very much unlike yes. what people think of California being. True. Um, the sky there is very flat and very blue and they have like 345 days of blue sky a year okay. or something crazy like that. And for me as a child who definitely was depressed, mm. I was like, Angry at oh. the sky for being so blue, okay. and at the sunshine for just like being so bright and hot all the time. Because the distance, I actually feel sort of comforted by the clouds. It's a nice cloudy day in LA today. If there were a lot of depression, I would feel like at least the outside sort of matches mm. the inside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a danger there too of like really starting to savor that sure. depression. But yeah. there, but for me as a kid, there was like this weird tension of feeling the way that it feels for me inside and having the outside be so bright.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is a thing.
1: I say like winter is harder
0: for depression, but there is something about feeling really low on a bright, sunny day mm-hmm. and the frustration there where you're yeah. like, what, how could this be? How could my insides be so far from what's outside and mm-hmm. kind of like what's wrong with me or what's wrong with this or
1: something? Yeah. Why yeah. can't, why can't we match? It sort of deepens that feeling of alienation. Yeah, true to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it kicked in for real in high school. And um, I just, nobody around me was particularly equipped with the language for mental health or really even like, I don't know, the ability to notice or know that like, oh, the thing that this kid is going through is like a specific thing and there's treatments for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just was like really emotional, really up and down. It definitely had some like manic depressive tendencies. So there's always been that like anxiety, depression duo yeah for me. Um and yeah, it hit like right before my sixteenth birthday. I was like, I'm gonna die someday. I'm oh. gonna stop being a kid and then I'm gonna be an adult and kids are more important than adults and, and I think a lot of it had to do with like this sort of careening away from childhood and toward womanhood mm-hmm. in a in a community and culture that I certainly i felt like the roles for women were less important and less exciting to me mm-hmm. than being a child being a child felt like being the center sure and um and yeah so i think there was like an odd bit of just this knowledge that i was on this journey and it had a twinge of some internalized misogyny in there too mm-hmm. and surely just lots of hormones yeah so many being a teenager's hormones mm-hmm. yeah Um,
0: in your family did people struggle with mental illness mm -hmm. okay
1: was that known or you just observed it or realized it later it was the same kind of thing where there was like my mother certainly has struggled with depression forever Mm -hmm. and I knew that she was sad and that Mm -hmm. sometimes she was not available to help though she wanted to and was kind about it and sorry but also just like not gonna be able to come out Mm -hmm. right now and you're gonna have to get that figured out yeah um, and so that was kind of always a part of it. I know now that her dad, I think was bipolar. I okay. don't know. There's, there are differing family stories sure. in there. Um, he sneaked into world war two as a young person told wow. a lie about his age. And so he experienced some truly horrific yeah. things too. So there's like, it's hard to know yeah, when you get back. Of this yeah. Come. When you get back into that zone where you're just like trusting ants for, stories like nobody really knows nobody knew then right Um, so there's certainly like a a streak of that in there there's some alcoholism here and there in Mm -hmm. some other places too so it's definitely around okay it's definitely around and it feels it does feel to me like part of my neurochemical makeup Mm -hmm. to just be have these very sensitive swings Mm
0: -hmm. what do you do now like I mean it's been a a little while since high school sure has and you have experienced this mm-hmm. since high school. You can't see my hand. I'm yeah. doing like the wave motion, probably of some highs and lows. Yeah. Is, was there a point where you're like, oh, this is what's happening. Now I have more of the tools that I need to take care of myself, or mm-hmm. do you learn out of desperation? What, what's this been like?
1: Yes. A lot of a lot of things got taken care of. We've now made many a reference to the time that I encountered the bad guy. Oh yeah. And the like healing process from some post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, sort of like scooped up and wrapped in a lot of other things yeah. that weren't. Taken care of Mm -hmm. um it also highlighted a lot of things like the heightened nature of being post trauma was like oh this is actually this clearly which is anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. is actually just way more of that thing that I've always had that was when I was able to recognize the anxiety of like oh this is what that is I've always had this this has always been here yeah um which is is actually awesome
0: I mean not not to make light of something horrific and evil but Mm -hmm. it is pretty amazing for some personalities i would say yours and mine in that uh we have a a really natural way of ignoring things that hurt Mm -hmm. if it keeps the peace in our environment like i won't pay too much attention to this achy thing whether it's emotional physical whatever Mm -hmm. until it gets bad enough that it's affecting other people or yeah. affecting us so bad. So for you to experience something traumatic and then out of that, be like, oh yeah, there's actually these other things that weren't as intense, but now I get to pay attention to them or yeah. I have to pay attention to them in order to be okay. Yeah. That's yeah. really important.
1: It's very helpful. It's a very interesting feature of a, a personality that's just like very high functioning. And I don't mean like high achieving. Mm-hmm. I'm not so much that, but just that the ability to function through Mm-hmm whatever like at a pretty similar threshold of functioning through whatever up or down there is like wow yeah there's very i have to tell people when i'm in about of something i could okay. be like hey i'm here at work today but i just want to let you guys know i woke up there's kind of a lot of anxiety and i'm gonna like not move any ladders around mm-hmm. yeah or if i like quickly need to step like i have to alert people okay that if something weird happens it's just because of this thing that you would absolutely not otherwise mm-hmm. notice if wow. i didn't let you know yeah Cause it just stays in there. Uh huh. You have a work ethic. It sounds like to just keep you going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is cool. I'm grateful for it, but it also means that I get less help than I could. Yeah. That's probably (laughs) true.
0: Yeah. And so you're married now. Mm -hmm. How did depression play a role in this? Because as someone who struggles myself, I know that it does affect the relationships closest to us. How do you guys handle that?
1: Yeah. Um, It does happen a lot less. I'm happy to report. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Like you feel depressed a lot less. I feel depressed a lot less. Okay. Um, but Connor was there for the basically all of the recovery Mm -hmm. from the assault. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of that had to do with getting some therapy. And then also I started working with a nutritionist. Really? Mm -hmm. And that was like game changer. Um, In what way? Tell me about that. Like it treats the depression and anxiety for me. Really? Mm -hmm. The kinds of foods that I eat have a huge, huge effect, mostly on my hormones. Okay. And so then if my hormones are very funky and strange, then so is my neurochemistry. Yeah. So getting like a lot more evenness inside. Um, just trying to generally eat like a lot of vegetables, really high quality meats. Um, it's got to be animal byproducts for me. I was trying to be vegetarian yeah. for a few years before that. And I was successfully being vegetarian okay. and uh, tired and really depressed, okay. way more depressed. Wow. So, feeding like choosing foods that feed my brain mm-hmm. and balance my hormones have okay. like really evened a lot of things out. Okay. And of course, that. It includes Connor as well, like him having to get on board and be ready to like pay for some supplements that are kind of expensive and eat really differently. And, but they make a huge impact. Mm -hmm. I know the other day when she was at my house, she
0: said, you said you eat bone broth a lot Mm -hmm. for depression. Yeah. How? Like, so it just makes you feel better. I know that it's so good for you health wise,
1: but I didn't even know it could help with depression. It's just all interconnected. Like we think about our brain, some, or I, I guess I should say, I would have previously thought about my brain as being the same as my mind mm-hmm. which it maybe hosts my mind mm-hmm. but it also is just like this organ it's that lives organ. inside my body yeah. that gets fed by everything that I put in my mouth mm-hmm. so if those are heavy dense hold you down things or mm-hmm. stuff that is like highly processed and makes my hormones feel all weird yeah it just all is interconnected in that way and there are certain foods that you can eat that literally support neurological function wow um, so quality fats okay um like omega-3s okay which come from fish fish oils stuff mm-hmm. like that um, i had salmon for dinner last nice. night Thank you. You're yeah. And now I'm going to make <laughs>
0: these salmon patties that she told me to make her. Like they look like crab cakes, yeah. but they're salmon cakes. Mm-hmm. I
1: did already think <laughs> about that with our leftovers. <laughs> so um, yes. So those, those kinds of things. Okay. Well, I was going to say another thing. Oh, bone broth. The bone broth is super high fat. It also, um, the, the difference between like a bone, like a bone broth and a meat stock is that you've boiled it for like days and days or in a high pressure cooker so that all the marrow inside mm-hmm. is out and you're drinking that mm-hmm. so when it's cold it's like kind of gelatinous yeah that's um, how ours and is. then when it's hot it is like a regular broth so it's just like a real high nutrient density okay so that's a way when I don't want to eat more food but I can feel that mm-hmm. I'm starting to tank or get tired or like that blood sugar is going down I can just drink some bone broth that's great. Pop that back up. What what about when you're not
0: depressed? Because there's like this spectrum, right? Of mm-hmm. like low, yeah. <laughs> of low feelings. And even for me, I find that like as I am approaching my period every month, mm-hmm. it's it's pre depression, honestly. Absolutely um, every time. Yeah, me too. Every single time I hate it. But I also love that I know exactly when it's gonna happen. Yeah. Thankfully I'm regular, so I um like can anticipate that this will be the time it's gonna mm-hmm. happen. I just wonder what do you do aside from eating nutritiously is there are there activities or something that you found that really helps?
1: Yeah. You have to move your body. Mm -hmm. You just have to move your body. There's no, there's no way around it. Mm -hmm. There are no pills. There's no nothing. There's no anything that gets you out of the necessity to move your body around. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be high intensity, Mm -hmm. but like for a human brain to function, there has to be movement in the body. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a walk that is slow, but lasts 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. 25, 30 minutes. It is like magical to me actually how
0: well movement, um, affects my mood, my life, my perspective, My if I'm having a day where I'm super stressed with work or something, mm-hmm. and then I take the time to go for a walk or run, it changes everything. It's, it is hard, I'll say, with young, young kids, babies especially, like that first year postpartum. I didn't have a rhythm for activity that was easy. Um, I tried to build like walks, stroller walks in or, or wear the baby and go for a walk. But the movement helps. I do think it gets a little easier if you don't have the resources to like pay for childcare or some gyms, they have it where you can go drop a baby off and That's exercise. Nice. Yeah, I, we don't have as many here that are within my price point right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, now that my kids are a little older, I can go work out and Sean can have them and it's pretty easy. It changes everything. Movement changes everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Um, doing something for someone else. Yeah. A l- tiny little something, anything that helps the the in control piece of you just like tell the part that's sort of overtaken by the brain chemicals. Like actually I'm still here. The world exists. Other people exist. Things matter. Mm-hmm. Like, things will matter after this yeah for me being depressed feels like having a heavy like wet sand instead of blood almost Mm -hmm. where like everything inside is just like there's like this settling down feeling and everything just wants to get as flat as possible and it just feels like that's it that's just this like Mm -hmm. full sensory feeling and nothing matters and I could I could answer you but by the time I formulated my sentence why Yeah. And so doing something for someone else is like a real statement Mm -hmm. to my system that like, I will not always feel like this. Mm -hmm. Other people will exist. It will have mattered to someone else that I did a thing for them, even if it's a nice text message. Yeah. That's so good.
0: There, there is a point. I don't, I don't know if you've experienced this. I've experienced it where you do everything you can think to do and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And at that point, there are still options after we moved to spain i became really depressed it's like uh looking back i can see with more clarity like i was depressed during this period but i don't think i understood that i was i think i was experiencing so much life change and a lot of highs but a lot of lows how old were you Um, i was well late 20s like 28 maybe okay and we basically like knew we were going to be moving but then it kept getting put off put off put off and then suddenly it wasn't and Mm -hmm. it was like you're going to be moving like pronto you guys are leaving in the next couple weeks and you Um, already had a little baby we had yeah Eloise and she was a year old and so even though we had prepared for it once it actually happened it felt very abrupt Mm -hmm. And it was right before the holidays. And then um, there were just some like logistical things. Like when we got there, Sean had to leave. So he was in Australia. So I arrived and he was gone for like almost two weeks. And we had to find an apartment. And it we, there was jet lag, but I was tackling it by myself. And mm-hmm. um, I've now read a bunch of books about transitions. Uh, in, like moving to a, a foreign country, even without kids, is a major transition that affects you in, in a lot of ways emotionally. Um, at the time I expected more of myself I expected Mm. that I would handle it well I had been to Spain a bunch of times we had gone there for three month increments multiple times so I knew how to get around but I had never been there with a baby Mm. and um there's just a lot of a lot of transition and then I felt like my husband was living in a high because he kind of was, we were with some of his very best friends in the world, great friends of mine as well, but definitely for him, he's in his favorite place in the world. He's doing his favorite thing, which was skateboarding and building this skateboarding organization. And um, I struggled a lot and I didn't communicate it properly. Mm. And there's a lot I would change about the way I handled that time. Uh, but basically I became very depressed, but I was doing everything I could think of. So I was doing meaningful work. I was journaling, I was running, I was eating well, I, um, I was praying. I lived in a, in a community of, of believers. So like faith was a big element. So it was like, okay, well, we're going to pray for you. We're going to do all of these things. And I basically had my checklist of things that I thought would work and nothing was working. And, um, like I said, now looking back, there's stuff I would do differently. So my checklist would look different, but I got to a point where I was suicidal. So like it took about a year for it to get low, 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 okay. low, like that. That is a long time to be at a yeah. slow decline. Totally. Totally. And it was definitely one of those um like the outside world is so beautiful and the inside world is so ugly Mm -hmm. and i don't understand why i can't rally my insides to like match the outside because Mm -hmm. essentially we were living a dream like i I loved our home i loved the people we were with i yeah all of it we had wanted to live this life Mm -hmm. and then while i was there i could not get myself together and um, eventually what happened was we came back to the states for a holiday a year after moving there and I I knew I had felt suicidal, but I had gotten um I, I could connect still that I needed to be around for my daughter, like that her mm-hmm. life mattered and my life mattered for her. And then there got to a point where I thought I thought the thought it would be better for her if I wasn't. Mm. And i come from a family my grandfather took his life my uncle took his life like there's um depression is something i struggled with as a teenager i have a sibling who attempted her own and anyway my point is this wasn't new stuff for me i knew that like basically once that thought happened i knew there was a really big problem and um thankfully i had enough people around me who loved me and i could tell them what was going on and um we got to a point where uh, I was taken to basically like this emergency place where you can get help immediately. You can either be admitted as an inpatient or admitted as an outpatient to Mm -hmm. a program. And so I was interviewed and admitted as an outpatient. So I would start the next day for 10 days in group therapy in Michigan. And it was, it was so important that I did that. Um, it wasn't even necessarily that the program was that incredible. I think it was more just like the halt of everything to Mm -hmm. be like your life matters enough that we need to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And at that point we were supposed to go back to Spain for our second year there, but we had decided that we would just put plans on hold until we could figure it out because we didn't want to go back. If I was going to be as low as I was and, um, So in that time, we figured out that what I would need is some additional support with Eloise in Spain if we were gonna go back there, Um, meaning like a preschool situation for her because she was old enough. And then also I needed a psychiatrist. I needed, yeah, not just a psychologist, not just a therapist. Mm -hmm. I needed someone who could handle my medication if I was gonna take medication. And so what happened was I got diagnosed with a medication or with, I got diagnosed with something first. It was like depression and they put me on meds and mm-hmm. then it didn't work. That's the risk of medication is it can make you feel worse. Yeah. And so it did, made me feel worse, but I was in good care. So we that was immediately switched. And then they said that I have bipolar, but I don't know if I have bipolar actually. Um, it was not, it was, I had been interviewing a person for a m- few minutes and they were like, we don't know if you do, but it's in your family. So it's possible you do. So we're gonna give you this medication that treats bipolar and if it works for you then we're just gonna let it work for you and the medication worked and so i was thankful for that what um along with the medication i was in like intensive therapy and then um yeah we sort of shifted our lifestyle around and because I was in this mental hospital now, it basically opened it up to my closest people to Mm -hmm. be like, oh, she's not well. But then the positive, um, I mean, not that that's not positive, but the more positive piece is that going forward, now I have a whole group of people who knows how low I'm capable of getting. Mm -hmm. And so then the questions are asked that are the right questions and nobody is going to let me get to that point i i'm not going to let me get to that point but now there's enough people who understand that i could get there so people ask how i'm doing and check on me and even um even for sean to be there and see that i think for him was really eye-opening because he had never seen mental illness that closely Mm -hmm. um and so we've talked a lot about how for him, he thought it would probably just get better, like if sure. we just keep trying. And so to understand that there is a point where you might need some some intervention that's yeah. medical. Anyway, so I came back to Spain. I'll say this, the American system of medical health, um, especially mental health versus Spanish, I really appreciated the Spanish one. When what I went like? to my my Spanish psychiatrist versus the American one. The Spanish psychiatrist sat with me for an hour. She had a notepad and she took all these notes on me, my feelings, my family, my, all this stuff. And basically by the end, she was like, I would like to take the dose of medication they gave you down to the lowest possible amount that you need. She said, I don't understand why people start a basically, I don't understand why Americans give so much medicine right off Mm -hmm. the gate. And the American doctor had said, well, if you have this, your kids are gonna have this, you'll probably be medicated for life. Like I left that first day of finding this all out, crying. I remember hearing like laying in bed, crying. Um, We were at my my in-laws house and they loved me so much and I could hear them like outside the door talking with Sean about how this is like such a big deal if I'm gonna need to be medicated my whole life and there's just a lot of fear the whole thing
1: was really yeah. scary
0: then i go to spain and she was like no i don't i don't think so like we're gonna get you down to the lowest dose you need um, and if we can readjust your life basically rearrange some things to see if your lifestyle can help promote health in a better way and then Um, Ultimately, if you don't want to be on this medicine, I would like to work with you to see if you are able to function without this, but if you can't, there's no shame in it, But, but we're not going to assume you have to be on this forever. And it was so refreshing. It was that's such like a shift. Of. I know. I've never heard
1: a story like that. No, ever.
0: I know. And so, so that's what happened. So she put me on the lowest dose, and basically it was like she kept lowering it, and then saying like, "Is it working?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So then she's lowering it again, and then it gets to the point where like, "Is it working?" And I'm like, "I don't. I honestly don't feel great." And she's like, "Okay, we're gonna move you up just just a bit, and that's your level." And then I was on it for think like eight months and in that time I was doing a lot of counseling and we had changed the things we needed to change lifestyle wise and I had more of a social life and was just honest about things that I hadn't been honest about before which also helps there's something to like if you are off internally and you're carrying a lot of yuckiness inside and it's not coming out it's gonna start coming out in weird ways. And so I was like sick all the time and I had weird symptoms for things Mm -hmm. and I would go to the doctor and be like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but like this hurts and this hurts and this is bloated and all and they could not figure it out. And then once I started getting all of this help, all of the symptoms went away. And one of the psychiatrists I worked with was like, yeah, that was probably just your mental health kind of provoking everything else to be out. What a relief. Yeah, amazing. And so, so I ended up not being on medication after that. And I haven't been on medication since, um, but I'm, I'm open to it. So even like the bipolar thing that, that doctor was like, I don't know that it is bipolar what you have. It's okay if it is, it mm-hmm. doesn't, I, yeah, it's sort of like, it's not clear enough to own that diagnosis, right. but this medicine's working. So we'll own the fact that the medicine's working Wonderful. Mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Yeah. Now. I'm just much more aware of what I'm capable of, what lows I can reach. I remember when I first started taking the medicine, it felt like I was so used to every day waking up low, like Mm -hmm. waking up so sad, so like my normal was hopeless. Yeah. And then waking up one day and it was as if I wanted to go there and I was clotheslined, like, you know, like stopped jolted. Yeah, like if you're bowling and the bumpers there, that's I felt that literal feeling of like, whoa. My brain won't let me go there. And I was so relieved. I was like, this is exactly what I need because by having that guard, then I could deal with the stuff that was actually issues to deal with. But I couldn't gather myself to do it before because I just was exhausted. And um, yeah, anyway, so I I guess my point in sharing all of that is you do everything you can. And there are moments where everything we can do isn't quite enough and Mm -hmm. we need to reach out to professionals who have other options for us but I would say try and go the route of my Spanish doctor versus my American which is do what you need while you need it and let's see let's see how little additional stuff you might need because Mm -hmm. our bodies are pretty amazing when it comes to healing themselves and being restored again and a lot of what I
1: needed was lifestyle shifts. I just didn't know that. Right. But then once and I. You can't muster that for yourself when you're in that state. Yeah. Like it's hard enough to change something about your life when you're feeling stable and normal. Yes. Like change is challenging. Mm-hmm. And when you're already buried like that, you that's not the time to then go try and figure it out for yourself. Totally. Yeah, exactly.
0: And it's weird. Like when you're feeling depressed you know, you need a social life, you know, you need to go connect, but you feel your worst. So it's Mm -hmm. not really the time you want to go make friends Mm -hmm. and you don't have that much energy to go connect with the friends that you already have, even though, you know, social interactions would probably
1: help because the more alone you are, the worse it gets. Yeah. I think one of the one of the tricky things about that is that it's such an inside illness. It's mm-hmm. such an inside problem mm-hmm. that either something tremendously, tremendously external has to happen mm-hmm. in order for people to like know how to take you seriously. Yeah. When you say I feel depressed, people say, Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. And then you want to yeah. murder them. Totally. This is the what second time I've tr- talked <laughs> about wanting to murder people, <laughs> oh, Um, And then you feel really angry. Yeah. But, but you have to, or you have to say it out loud. You mm-hmm. have to find ways to say like, I need something. Mm -hmm. Well, and depression is talked about like, I'm so depressed. It's like,
0: ha ha ha. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know it's Mm -hmm. a hard week. And then it's like, no, no, no. I think it's different. I just don't know the word for like, you know, until it got to the point where I was like, I am really struggling to remain alive. Mm -hmm. I didn't say it like that. I was, it was much more like emotional and horrible, but yeah, until it gets to that point, it's hard to. It's hard to figure that out. But I recommend people don't get to that point. I recommend that as soon as you start feeling low, you, you you, can even bring in other people to be like, can you help me troubleshoot what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Uh, something needs to change. The fact that I feel this low is a flag waving yes. that something desperately needs to change.
1: Yes. Mental health is tricky because sort of like when you're sick and you're trying to decide if you can stay home from work or Mm -hmm. whatever, you're like, man, I wish I would just throw up. I Mm -hmm. wish I would just have a fever. Something that's like the real thing that people will believe me. Like, no, I can't come to work. I threw up. Like you want something to say that's like that. But mental health is that same way too. You're Mm -hmm. sick long before you have vomited. You're sick long before you need like institutional assistance or before you do something really scary. And so if you're feeling unwell, like Mm -hmm. that's real, Mm -hmm. that's a very real feeling and you don't have to prove it to anybody and you don't have to defend yourself, Mm -hmm. but you do have to reach out.
0: Totally. Yeah. i I described it at one point, like, um, how I would imagine having a broken rib would feel like you Mm. feel it when you breathe, but nobody can see it. Yeah. That's, that's how I felt at my worst was like something hurts so bad, but there's no visible anything. Yeah. Um, so There are things we can do. So we're telling you like these are some of the worst things that we've experienced. Um, One of the major things that happens when somebody goes to get help for their mental health is the person you're speaking with, the professional, wants to know how you're sleeping. If you are not sleeping, even for a a mom postpartum, if a mom's suffering really badly from postpartum depression, a lot of times doctors will say, tonight I need you to sleep through the night. Mm -hmm. You guys need to do whatever. This is almost like an emergency mom needs a full night of sleep because Mm -hmm. her mental health is on a downward you know spiral um sleep is major major when it comes to how how you feel inside and it's kind of annoying that that's so true when young kids don't allow you to get as much sleep as your body probably needs um you are resilient so as a mother of young kids you will be able to survive on much less sleep than you have ever thought you needed but there's something very real too. If you're, if you're feeling really low and you haven't slept in weeks, we need to get you some sleep Mm -hmm. because that will help you to feel a lot better. Um, and then moving your body is so important, but even moving your body without sleep, you, you might feel worse. So we need the combination of movement, rest, nutrition, nutrition, social life I felt very isolated for a time and that will take a toll on anybody if Mm -hmm. you're finding that you don't have human interaction that's why we have the community we have online the very good mothers um, club so it's let me just tell you this clearly so you can join if you want very good mothers clubhouse.com you can go there and join our community or I actually have a free Facebook group I never tell them about but it's free if you want it it's Jess Hover and friends basically What I want you to find is right now in your home, a community of people you can interact with. Mm -hmm. I prefer the membership group over the Facebook group just because it's a more intimate way of connecting. We do these weekly calls, we can see each other's faces and know each other's names and stories. But it is so important to have people who know you, Mm -hmm. who hear you, who can be somewhere safe that you can express how you're doing. Um, obviously if you need emergency professional help, like, like I described needing, that's not a Facebook group. You're going to want to go to a local hospital and let them know how you're doing. And Mm -hmm. there are so many resources available. They can help you.
1: Um, but like, if you're not, they already point. know what to do. Like that's a yeah. place for yeah, yeah. you. If you need that, if you go in and say, this is how I'm feeling, yeah. there will be people they have there who are ready.
0: Yeah. It's, amazing. it's it, amazing. It really is amazing. Um, but just social life of some kind is so important. Yeah. And then I love what you said about helping people, like finding a way to give to someone else. It also reminds you that you're not the only one suffering. Like mm-hmm. other people are suffering other people might be suffering more than more than you and me and Mm -hmm. that's even beautiful is to be able to know that we're not we're not just the the victim that we can feel like we are but we are we have dignity and we have something that we can give to someone else and help them feel loved and cared for Mm -hmm. in a moment and that does really good things for a person
1: yeah and remember that the moment that you're feeling now is not a sum total of your whole life mm-hmm. like the way that you feel currently is not representative mm-hmm. of what your life necessarily has been and definitely not of what your future is yeah like this feeling is always temporary sometimes it's long yeah like I want to be true. honest about that it's been long yeah sometimes for me mm-hmm. but it's always over eventually yes
0: actually i was reading a book about um depression and sadness it's a fantastic book it's called how to be sad it's so good and it's got all of this data in it about sadness and depression and ways to overcome it and how it affects different cultures and like how important it is to be sad how how Mm. sadness is a part of the human experience and it's really crucial Mm. to being happy um, is experiencing sadness but they talked about how Depression often lasts for like six months to a year and then quite naturally will lift. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason why I thought that was good to know, like that there's some science behind that is that when you're in it six months to a year feels so long, Mm -hmm. but to know that naturally your body is going to do some things to be like, no, we can't do this anymore. That's helpful. If, if it gets to the point where I was though, um, you got to go get extra help. There's no no sense in that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, cold plunges. I don't know if you're familiar oh. with cold plunges. I am only familiar with it because Becca, BFF slash business owner, she uh, she cold plunged when she was feeling depressed, and it really helped. You just cool. go in a cold pool or a cold bathtub or cold shower, and I guess what's happening in your brain is that. You're so cold, it's like sending a shock through your system mm-hmm. and then your body naturally is going to create the chemicals that your body needs to feel better and it does like a Whoa. boost of them, so like a high of them, so then you feel better. So cold cool. plunge can also be something. Oh, yeah. Okay, Becca's here. She just informed us also that when you get out of the pool, your body's regulating itself to get warm again and somehow that does really good things for you as well. So you want to do that.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of those um, kind of like goop or like hippie mom things are like actually excellent yes
0: yeah exactly um friendship's really important having somebody who's just a friend that I like I mean we work together now we're able to see each other once a week and it's a very good feeling to be able to walk in and be like Mm -hmm. not not a great day really happy to be with you hard day and be open about that versus always feeling like you have to put on a face mm-hmm. that's just like I'm fine I'm fine because yeah. again that is that's your body and mind and external world and internal internal world being out of alignment and I think what we want as much as possible mm-hmm. is a way for our insides and our outsides to have like this integrity this alignment where it's not that if you're feeling bad you walk around and you just like Bleh like ooze badness on people, but you have productive honesty. So Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm excited to do this podcast with you. Excited to see you. And today's been a hard day. And then you have a time of like, okay, what's this like? How are we doing? What can we, what can we do to, to pull ourselves together? And then you do it as a team. So there's honesty and alignment and,
1: it's really healthy mm-hmm. and it honors your own experience. It says okay. that like, I actually don't have to put your experience of like happy fun me right. over and above my experience of like, actually I'm a little bit unwell today. I can still do the thing that I came to do, but, mm-hmm. but my experience is this right now.
0: Yeah. You know, what's hard. I'm thinking as the person listening, when we have kids and we're feeling depressed, it's hard to know how to have alignment in front of our children mm-hmm. because we we feel like this this responsibility of caring for them in a way that's like happy, loving, mom's, mom's good, we're good, almost like how you described your mom, right? Yep. She's sad, but like also here she is or here she's not, but we're not going to talk about why, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it is hard when you have kids to know how much do they get to know about mm-hmm. how you're doing and like, I heard it described that young kids, maybe you taught me this and someone else too, like that they don't, they don't necessarily understand our words, but they understand our energy. Mm -hmm. So if we're feeling bad, they're going to sense that. That's kind of scary to a mom who's feeling bad. That was Mm -hmm. scary to me. Um, I I wonder, do you have any
1: thoughts on that? Yes. The bulk of the time that I taught preschool in a classroom, I was unbelievably depressed. Really? Unbelievably depressed. Like the most depressed of my whole entire life for that most of that time. Um, so yes, I, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. There's a limit to this, but mm-hmm. I'm a believer in um, like a lot of honesty with children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't mean just saying to children, whatever's on your your mind, or just like pouring out to children like you would to me or like we would to each other. Yeah. But taking true, limited, specific information and giving it to them, I think is like, that's sort of the underlying advice under like half Mm -hmm. of the things that I've said on said or will say on this podcast is like well we're gonna tell them the truth in a way that is developmentally appropriate but really real yeah so Mm -hmm. I'm in a classroom on one of these gnarly days and what I say is I just want to let you guys know I'm having kind of a weird morning it's a little bit of a struggle have you ever had kind of a weird morning yeah, me too. I'm really having one. So I'm going to be here all day and I'm totally going to take care of you and keep you safe. If I feel a little bit weird to you, I'm telling you right now, it's because I feel a little bit weird. And then they'll ask me questions, mm-hmm. are you sad? Yeah, I feel sad today um, about a lot of things in my life. I'm not going to tell you all the details, but I just, I wanted you to know that I feel a little bit sad today and that's just kind of what I'm working through. That's really good. I'm not always going to feel sad like this. Mm-hmm. And that part is important too. That's good. Is yeah. like. Tomorrow I might feel really different. Actually, a lot of the time I feel a little bit less sad in the afternoon. So maybe after lunch, I'm even going to feel a little bit better. Yeah. What doesn't come after that is, and so I need you to right. help me, whatever. I need you guys to really behave. I need you guys to really carry the load. I need you guys to whatever. Um, there was some of that yeah. in my story. and. And sometimes we do that on accident and yeah. sometimes oh, it gets I, too heavy I totally and, and i do that on accident I'm not laying that down as guilt or judgment. Sure. We're talking about like optimally, Yeah, optimally what I'm able to say to them is this is kind of how I'm feeling, keeping it broad and sad, but naming the emotions is okay. And it's even cool to say, I feel sad. Sometimes we feel sad. I mm-hmm. won't always feel like this.
0: Yeah. You guys feel sad sometimes. Sometimes you don't, right? Mm-hmm. That's normal. That's yeah. cool because it is teaching a life lesson and it's not like making the sadness shocking oh yes.
1: no you're sad right <gasps> what's wrong and this is how we're gonna fix it yeah or and this is what everybody has to do or and so i'm leaving yeah. or yeah, any yeah. of like those other things it just treats it like anything else this is information this is a circumstance in your life yeah this is how I'm planning to handle it it's going to be different later Mm -hmm. and this is where we're at and it gives them the opportunity to talk it out without it then going to store in like the back part of their brain as like a danger alert
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's really good I'm also thinking like if you're a stay-at-home parent or you're basically on your shift with the kids whatever mm-hmm. that is if it's a daytime shift if it's a nighttime shift they're they're your children so i know it's not a job but i'm going to talk in job language because i think it's helpful it's almost like we we get ourselves to this point that you're describing where it's like okay we're on with our kids right now mm-hmm. we still are going to feel our feelings but we're also we're also doing our responsible job mm-hmm. <laughs> which is caring for them loving them T- tending to their needs. And then when we're not on our shift, when they're napping, when they're sleeping, really do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. If you need to grieve, if you need to eat something, maybe that's when you move your body. Maybe that's when you take your nap. Yeah. Um. Maybe you just, you do a lot of crying. Like the, for, for me, there was a period of time where I needed to not do that in front of her mm-hmm. but still do it sometime yeah. i some of it was like i didn't even want to be doing it but it's just my body needed to do the thing that mm-hmm. it makes that you do when you're sad um so it is really like you regulating when when do you do that stuff and i was so lucky to have loved ones who could jump in and love on eloise when um when this was happening so for us it was sean's parents they were incredible to take care of her and love on her while i was in that um that program I think in life, that could also be a really good thing to do is if you're going through a low time, maybe look around and see, are there other people who can be lovers of your kids? Mm -hmm. Even for me, um, Eloise's preschool teacher who we're still friends with in Spain, Sylvia, I I met with her privately and was like, hey, I'm actually going through a hard time. I'm, I'm getting better, doing a lot better. But I don't know how it's affecting my daughter. I just know that it's been real for us. Mm-hmm. So it, it probably affects her in some way. And she was so sweet. She gave me a hug, was like, this is normal. It will get better. Yeah. And then now she is part of the team, ready to love Eloise and be aware of that. Yeah. So even just openness with whoever the team is that can help love your your baby or toddler could be really good and Mm -hmm. then give yourself the space
1: where possible to take care of yourself. Yeah. And then just keep telling them the truth about it. Hey, I'm going to drop you off with this person today. Mm -hmm. They're going to snuggle you and play with you and have a ton of fun. I just need a little bit of rest Mm -hmm. because you've probably noticed that I've been a little bit weird today. I've been feeling extra tired or extra sad. So what I've done is ask my friend to spend some sweet time with you. Yeah, I'm going to go rest and I can't wait to see you later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then when
0: you're together, maybe look for things that will, brighten your day as well. So you don't have to plan the whole time around Mm -hmm. what's going to make this special for the little one. But like, what music do you want to be listening to while you do stuff? Or where would you like to go that would also be nice for you? So a question I got on the internet that I'm just going to pose to us, and then that can be the end. Um, This person wrote me and said, since you have openly said that you struggle with mental illness, why would you have children? Why would you do that knowing that they might also have a mental illness? Mm-hmm. And that's a great question. And I also would love to hear your thoughts on it because I'm, I, I mean, you, will you, yeah. <laughs> maybe your thoughts will be so interesting. Okay. Well, the the thing is too, though. The person wrote me and I already have kids. Yes. <laughs> so so that's less of a question so and more of an yeah, accusation at that yeah, point. That's true. Um, my thought. M- I mean, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. they. Yeah. I I'm mean, sorry. hopefully not. Hopefully. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I did read it and was like, oh, uh, yeah. But actually, I've asked myself the same question. In fact, that first night when I was processing everything, mm-hmm. I cried to Sean and was like, why would I be allowed to have kids? Like, even why? Why would God do that? That honestly, I was like, if this is all, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very confusing. My thought now is if my kids are going to struggle with mental illness, which I really hope they don't, it's not a good struggle to have. It feels bad. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, but also, if they're going to struggle, then I'm really happy that I am so equipped <laughs> to be able to walk with them in this stuff and, uh, share with them what I've gone through and process it with them. I know, I know people who have mental illness, um, issues and their parents don't, and it's just a thing. I don't know. It seems Mm -hmm. to be more and more common actually now. And, uh, so I, I think I wanted to have kids and so I had kids and, actually in having kids, there were a lot of other things that could have gone wrong with their bodies too. Even Mm -hmm. throughout pregnancies, we're taking all kinds of tests to see, is this going on? Is that going on? Um, there's just so much in life that we can be afraid of and we get to decide how much we do that, how much we give into the things we're afraid of. And for me, I had more of a desire for children than I did fear of mental illness affecting them in Mm -hmm. a way that would make it not worth it so I went the route of having children and at the same time I totally respect if someone has gone through something so devastating with mental illness that they're like I just don't want to do that with my own children I can I can respect that and think that's a reasonable that's a reasonable thing to consider and for us I didn't go that route I mean my third child was a surprise so there was no thinking on that doesn't count
1: but yeah (laughs) but for the second one Um, I thought him through and I'm glad he's here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can respect that question coming up inside at, I have a, one of my like (laughs) bright, shiny depression memories is sitting with my roommate who was also a teacher with me at preschool Mm -hmm. at my most depressed at a coffee shop before, like before going to the school and just breaking down, crying with her and being like, I don't understand why anyone has children. This is so non-consensual. I did not ask to be here and it feels so bad. And I was like, having this like sort of weep out rage of like life is so bad and nobody asked me if I wanted to be here and we shouldn't do this to people. So I, I, there's a place that that comes from, a real place that that comes from. But every single person who's ever born is gonna have hard things and ultimately stop living. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we gotta, if you want to be somebody's mom, you go ahead and be somebody's mom Mm -hmm. and you make a plan about it yeah and if you have something extra you make a plan for that too Mm -hmm. and And you
0: you figure it out as you go Mm -hmm. some stuff you're gonna be so well intentioned and then you're gonna be surprised and then you'll figure it out because that's what you do you're so good at that Mm -hmm. um i also had a moment of crying and being like why does anyone have kids and it's while i was squeezing wilson out of my body unmedicated and I literally that was what I said to my oh. sister I was like why does anyone have kids mm-hmm. they shouldn't have kids mm-hmm. and she's like so you just need to get them out of you <laughs> he's actually part way out <laughs> so that was a shining moment yeah. in my life that I'm afraid of yeah well there's medicine giving that them helps. depression I'm <laughs> no. not afraid of turns out epidurals take that pain right away third cool. baby had one of those um yeah, no, I am really thankful for my kids and I continue to feel that I'm only seven and a half years in. So if this changes, you guys will probably know because I'm here, mm-hmm. but I cannot imagine ever getting to a point where I think that was a mistake. I really, I don't, I, I don't even see that happening in the world as, as far as I know it. I think that we love the kids we make and overall are grateful for them. That's like a big overarching stereotype, <laughs>
1: but that's what yeah. I, I believe to be true. There's enough love and care and help in the world that if you want to be somebody's parent, you go ahead and do that and figure we'll out a way to you. make it work. We'll and help, help you to help. do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll help
0: you. Um, Guys, what I don't want is you to listen to this episode and then be like, well, thanks a lot. I feel depressed. <laughs> um, that's not why I'm making this episode. What I hope is that wherever you're listening to this or watching this, that you feel like you're not alone. When I was going through my program, they put me in group therapy versus one-on-one therapy. I also had a bit of one-on-one therapy, but I had a lot more group therapy. And it's because they saw the power that happens when people are together sharing what they're going through and hearing one another's stories and knowing that they're not alone. That is a super healing um, experience. And so us making this podcast is just to say that if you find yourself struggling with any of this, you're not alone at all. And in fact, we would love for you to join our community so that you can see that even, even more so and be loved more intentionally and more personally. Um, and then, yeah, what was our other, what was our other great point?
1: Oh, it will not always feel like this. Oh, that was our other great yeah. point. We made that point, but it's worth re-emphasizing. It's, yeah. That's sometimes the yeah. only ray of sunshine. And if yes. you need it, here's the ray of sunshine. It will not always feel no, like this.
0: It will not. And what will be so beautiful about this experience in your life is that someday, soonish, when you're feeling better, you are going to be such a good lover of people. Mm-hmm because I found that the people who have suffered deeply are so in touch with real love, with real humility, with the ability to see somebody else in their pain and be there with them. Um, It's really, it's beautiful. It's like, it's the concept of like wounded healers. Like when you've been wounded and you know what it's like to suffer, you are a way better healer because you've you've been there. So if you're in it, we'll get through. And um, if you need more support, we have it. And thank you so much. Do we have anything else? No. I'm looking at you like, mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Mom, do we have anything? Uh, if you need us, all our contacts are in the show notes.
0: They sure are. Yeah, we love you. Appreciate you. If you have anything you want us to talk about, we would love to your comments we read them mm-hmm. so comment please absolutely <laughs> on the videos if you're if watching you have questions
1: you. about this we'll follow up yeah like we could do a follow-up
0: totally okay thanks you guys so much you're doing really good see you soon have a good week. bye